Hello and welcome to the Nittany Gritty, brought to you by the good folks at Beyond the Big Ten. I am John Sauber of the Center Daily Times. He is men's basketball legend at Penn State, Tim Frazier. And Tim, uh, I, I just have a bad feeling, and not even a bad feeling, but a feeling that I'm going to be working later into March than I think we thought like a month ago. Um, yeah, but don't throw me under the bus. I thought that was your choice. That was your thought process. <laughs> I thought yeah, the team you backed had me a, up a little bit. I, a little bit, a little bit. But the team, the team is they proved us wrong. Um, I think you got to give credit. You know, we will start to show off, and let's give credit to Coach Rhodes. Um, I think he he deserves it. I and mean, you talk about the coaching that he's done in this last month or so, uh, especially these last couple of weeks. And we talk about how they started, you know, very, very poorly, bad losses in a four or five, four losses in a row early. And they turn around and get three wins in a row um, these past two weeks. And obviously a uh, tough one in Northwestern yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like, they were really close to flipping that yeah. Northwestern game to a win. And if that happens, like, we go from talking about me working some Penn State home games in the NIT to me traveling to some NCAA tournament games real quick because, you know, that that changes everything. Uh, but, yeah, they're in a spot that – and I know we talked about this a little bit last week that I don't know that I could have imagined them being in a month ago, yeah. right? Like it looked like, you know, we were talking about like, you know, is the system going to work the way that we thought it would in the Big Ten? Are they going to have to be more sporadic with the pressing? Is it, You know what I mean? What does – what does this mean for the state of the roster next year? Like we started having those conversations yeah. and I think we were justified in doing so because of how it looked. Uh, but it, this, this looks like a totally different team. And, and I think one of the biggest keys, you mentioned Mike Rhodes and the job he's done. I think that's totally right. Yeah. You know, they, they, the way they deploy their lineups uh, is, is both interesting and I think, you know, good, right? Like they're not one of the biggest things that I've noticed with Rhodes that a lot of basketball coaches in general are afraid to do is, if he finds something that works, he will stick with it, right? Like, and yeah. the biggest example of that to me is so Kanye Clary goes out with, uh, you know, a concussion for two games, misses two games because of a concussion, and they they look more fluid offensively, right? The ball's not sticking yeah. as much. He's he's uh, his absence kind of leads to more ball movement in general. The press is working a little bit better. So Kanye Clary, who is their leading scorer, right? This is not a seventh, eighth man who's averaging four points per game. You know, this is the team's leading scorer. He comes back from that injury. He's not starting. He's not started the last two games. He is not necessarily playing 25, 30 minutes a game. He's not being, you know, the focal point of the offense. And it, and it looks like he's maybe working through, I don't want to say the struggles, but the adjustment to that a little yeah. bit. But Rhodes did not go away from what is working, right? Because I think a lot of coaches would have been like, okay, that's our leading scorer. He's got to play the same role he's always played. You know, it's got to look exactly like that. Yeah, Rhodes hasn't been afraid to shift away from that. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And and Clary deserves a lot of credit for at least buying into it. You know what I mean? And, and being willing to, you know, he hasn't been like outwardly frustrated or anything like that on the court. Uh, I think it's it's a little bit clear right now that he's still blending it. We can talk a little bit more of how that manifested in the Northwestern game. But yeah, they, they're they not afraid to stick with what works, even if it means your leading scorers coming off the bench, playing 20 minutes when he's when it's not working, he's, you know, getting pulled like pretty much anyone else on the team would be. Yeah, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we live in a, in a world now and in sports and in life that, you know, See the win or loss, and, and and right now you know you go on a streak where you win the three games in a row, and you or the two in a row without Kanye, and you establish something that's working. And um, I would say you'd be a fool to go away from that. I'm not not I understand uh, because there are certain guys that you know no matter what they have to be able to you know right. play their minutes and and play and 
no matter what, they give the team the best shot to do that. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, you have to give credit to Coach Rose to being able to understand, you know what, hey, this is rolling. We're going to roll with this until, you know, we need to make another change. And I, I, I applaud him for sticking with it. You know what I mean? I think also you said it with, with Kanye. Well, that's a, that's a huge blow. Like I've been in a situation to where um, I've been starting, I've been playing minutes and, and then – you know, what I mean, I go down or something or a guy comes back and I and I go back to the bench and you kind of looking at you like, man, you know, why or what happened or why am I not in the same role that I was? And and, and it's tough. You know, what I mean? it weighs on you, especially as a young kid, especially in college where, you know, what I mean, he's talking about he, I know deep down in the back of his mind, he's thinking about his future. And you're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm one of the top scorers in the Big Ten. And now um, I might not have the amount of minutes or the amount of shots that I was getting at first to continue to keep that up. But I will tell him if he does listen, and you know, what I mean, hopefully he does. And hey, man, they're watching. If something your your future and your 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 you'll be chosen or you'll be you'll be found based on the things that you're able to adapt to different roles. Uh, because one thing is the one of the best knives to have is the Swiss Army knife because you can use it in uh, many different ways. And I'd be a one one trick pony. So um, hopefully he continues to try to blend in, find his new role. And at the end of the day, who says that his role won't come back to what it was? You know, there's a chance that it can. And one thing I do know about the game of basketball, like when you go from playing to not playing to starting to not to uh, six man to, you know, the 15 man on the bench, man, I've, I've been in every position. But, you know, the game of basketball throughout a season is a roller coaster and it changes just like this in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for him is is finding a way maybe to reach 90 percent of what he was before. But yeah. with the other 10% being the stuff that made this successful without him, right? Like the mm-hmm. more distribution, less sticking on the ball. Uh, I Because I do think on some level they need someone who can isolate in certain situations, right? Yeah. Like there will always be value in isolation scoring. Uh, it's just more about picking your spots now, right? Rather than, than yeah. that being like, okay, when I get the ball, it's time for me to go to work, you know, in the pick and roll. And like, this is how the possession goes. I think it's got to be more like... Hey, you're not always going to have that matchup advantage. You, you got to be willing to move the ball along and, and have it be part of the offense. And I think that was one thing I really noticed against Northwestern, right? Like, was it yeah. felt like maybe he didn't have a good feel for what it's supposed to look like right now? Like, I remember there was a possession where he went and, and kind of forced up a layup, which is something that we had seen before. And then, you know, five possessions later, the lane is open for him to get to that floater range where he's been and really he successful. Go. And he, he, well, he passes it out of it. And it's like, yeah no, this is the one you should have taken, right? Like this is the mm-hmm. scenario you should take that shot. And instead you pass to someone who's covered and it's like, like he's trying, like he knows what he needs to be doing. It's just the process of getting to that point, I think is going to take some time. And, and honestly, his skill set I think brings a lot of value off the bench. And I know that's tough, probably tough to hear for a guy who's the team's leading scorer and everything, but that kind of scoring punch who maybe when he's not feeling it one night, the team isn't as dependent on it and it allows the team to have success without that. But when he is, you yeah. can go to more of those isolations, more of those pick and rolls where, yeah. where he's the guy and you can have him carry you to a win or two. Cause especially, you know, they get to, you know, potentially the NIT, uh, which is, I think what we're looking at is maybe not the most likely outcome right now, but like a, a very reasonable outcome. Possible. Uh, yeah. I, I think that would be helpful in the postseason to have a guy like that who can go do those things. But I, I think you're right. And you mentioned like being in those situations, from your perspective, what is what is it like in the locker room when that happens? Because I'm sure there's some sense mm-hmm. of like people are afraid to talk to you a little bit, right? Because you're going through something, but also you kind of might need those guys to be there for you and help you work through this. Like what what was that experience like for you when you went from having that role to it's not what you expected it to be when you come back? Um, I think 
again, I think a lot of it, even uh, outside of what the teammates may say, you kind of have to do an inner look in yourself and look in your mirror and understand what the the end goal is in this. You have to take your 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 I hate to say selfishness, but take away your your own pride and hey, I want to play well. I want to do this and 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 realize that in order for you to achieve and be where you want to be to get to the next level or continue to you know be a starter or continue to be you know six man or whatever, just or even to just get minutes. Um, I was in that position that I had to do what was best for the team. And that was something that you had to flip that switch. Like, you know what I mean? So if it can, if it went from starting to pin to 40 minutes a game, or if it went from being the score, or if it went to the six man, or it was like, or, Hey, I'm only in the game just to play defense. And that was just it. So I had to flip that and understand that, Hey, I know I am capable. Like Kanye is capable of going to get 18 every night. You know, that, you know, you can see it. He's been doing that throughout the, this season that he's capable of doing that. But now that is, Hey, in order for our team to win, is that necessary? And there, and there are going to be games that are necessary for him to do that. But I just think right now with the team rolling and guys is, you know, stepping up and the current, everybody's stepping up that it's not needed at this very moment, but there's going to be a time where we're going to talk. We're going to have another show. We're going to talk about this and be like, man, Kanye stepped up big time because we needed him to go out there and have this tremendous scoring night. But um, for me, I think a lot of it is you, you got to look in the mirror and look at it and say, hey, in order for my own personal success, um, you have to win. So when your team is winning, more eyes are looking at you. And that's what you have to look at. Hey, man, you, you know, there's a lot of scores out there on bad teams that don't win games. And they're like, oh, well, he scores on bad team. But to have someone that's capable, that's a reliable, that's a, a a good scorer on a good team that's winning, and especially right now that's trending upward, that's that means more, right? More that'll mean more to you being a high scorer on a bad team. Yeah, and, and I think that's an excellent point, right? Because for as you know, good as guys feel when when they're like lighting up the Big Ten and everything, there are like three guys in the every draft, if that, who go into the league and are the team's best scorer immediately. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. doesn't happen, uh, and so no. you already no. have to adjust whether it's in the NBA or the G league or overseas, like you are not going to play that role right away. And so I think this could be a good like chance for self-reflection, like you said, right? Yeah. Like this is a, yeah. a really good chance to look in that mirror and be like, okay, maybe this isn't what I want to be, but maybe there's a way for me to make this even better than it would have been. Had I not missed the two games, right? Like to, and, to, to and, push forward and make a different situation. And at the end of the day, like, again, you, you talk about, you coming back from, an injury, you know, when we call it a concussion, you know, or whatever it might be. That Zach hey, Hicks not, did say, for what it's worth, at today's press conference, that Kanye had a concussion. That's the only reason okay, that I felt okay. comfortable. <laughs> we had known this before, obviously, but it wasn't out there. But yeah, that Zach Hicks mentioned but, it at the press you, conference today. You got to understand that anytime you have a, a, a setback, like you, you know, you're rare, and I, I, nobody comes back and just become you hit the same, you hit the same step and the same same stride that you were before you left, like. So it's going to take him some time to be able to get back to that. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's sooner than later. And so I, hopefully he doesn't get down on himself about, hey, man, I'm not able to make this, these certain shots and um, I'm missing easy easy shots or floaters or layups that I usually make. Man, I'm doing, those things come. Like, you, you know what I mean? Anytime you take days off or time off or weeks. For him, it was three weeks, I think, two and a half weeks off. You know what I mean? Especially a week when you talk and a half for him. Yeah, week yeah. and a half. But I'm saying especially with concussion because with concussion is – you have at least three days, four days of not doing anything, you know? So yeah. um, it takes some time and, you know, he'll be able to get back into the groove and, you know I mean? Hopefully he just continues to work on his game and he'll, which I know that Rhodes is having these guys doing because you, we've seen 
improvement from everybody. You know, what I mean, from top to bottom, a lot of these guys are stepping up in a big way, especially since he went down, sharing a load of of scoring. And you you have to give props to them too. I know we're, t- we're talking about Kanye a lot, but I want to make sure that we we give those guys a a pat on the back too for being able to step up during this run. Well, yeah, and one of the biggest things, like we we can talk about Ace ad nauseum, right, and how important he's been. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest things that people Maybe it's gone underappreciated, I guess, because I know that some people have not been fond of Zach Hicks as a player because some of the shots haven't fallen. You got to understand, like, this is part of being a shooter, right? Like, you just got to keep going. Like, there is part of it is the confidence to continue to do it no matter what. And he is a good shooter. And the one thing I noticed, I actually asked both him and Mike Rhodes about this today, is the movement shooting, right? Like, it's one thing to be able Mm -hmm. to stand still and hit a three. It's another to be able to curl off a screen. It's another to be able to shoot off the dribble. And he started to do that more. He's attacking closeouts and taking 16-footers that are wide open because guys are closing out so aggressively. You know, he he may not look balanced, but he's able to – gain his balance off of screens and, and shoot that way and be effective. And and I think that's been enormous for this team because you talk about yep. the way that kind of bends the defense. And now the defense, it's not like, you know, there are, there are guys like, for instance, Leo Boyle on the team is more of a standstill shooter, right? Like where you have to pay attention to him when he's out along the perimeter, but you don't necessarily, there's no movement involved to it, right? Like right. if Zach Hicks is coming off a screen, you have to be concerned because you're not going to get right. over that screen before he gets the shot off, right? Like, so right. you're going to be in trouble there. And so you have to stick to him more. And I think that's opened things up for Ace. I think it's opened things up for for Kern to cut. He Nick Kern mentioned that today, the, the ability to cut, you know what I mean? The space that has been provided to him because guys are making more shots. And, and I think you're right. Like a lot of those guys have stepped up, but man, like, seeing Hicks shoot in a way that is like, these are shots. And again, we bring him up all the time. He's not the same level of Andrew Funk. I don't think, but like it's those type of shots that we talk about that, that brings so much value in, and Hicks is now hitting those. And that adds a ton. And, you know, he gave a lot of credit to uh, Joe Crispin, one of the team's assistant mm. coaches, like for, for, you know, giving, getting him to that point, making him comfortable and explaining to him the value of doing that because, Everybody knows that Joe Crispin could shoot no matter where his feet were, right? It did not matter. He was going to be able to yeah. to get to gain balance and get his shot off uh, and keep his form where it needed to be. But but yeah, I think I think Hicks being able to shoot off screens is is so big for this team and and actually like moving forward like really changes the upside of of how many games this team can win the rest of the way because of yeah. it's not just about him making shots; it's about how the rest of the offense looks completely different because he can do that. Yeah, uh, again, and, and what you we, we bring up Andrew Funk. There's two weeks in a row for uh, about yeah. Funk, and um, there were games and episodes last year when we shot this and we talked about this, and we were like, man, he we need Funk to step up where he had where he went through shooting struggles where he was 0 for five, 0 for six, and didn't really contribute in a way in a scoring way, and then there was times where we talk about it in in a tournament where he's playing against a And M and he's shooting nights out. So like as a shooter. It's a up and it's 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 like this. It's, it's it's going to be that as a player, especially as a shooter too, because that's your job. And your job on this team is to be able to make shots. And when you don't make shots, everybody's you know down on you. But when you do make shots, they they, they want to put you on your shoulders. And then right now he's in a hot groove, and and, and that that's tremendous for this team because again we talked about it last week about opening space and for the floor for Ace, and now Kanye being able to get. Kanye being back for him to be able to get in and be able to distribute his score as well. So man, it's definitely contributed in a, in a major way. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, curious to see how, you know, that can help Kanye too, right? Like how yeah. those driving lanes for Kanye are going to be there now that maybe they weren't before because, 
you know, a wing defender suddenly has to take an extra step out and, and, and try and do something about Zach Hicks uh, that maybe they didn't have to do a month ago when, when Kanye was uh, before he, he got the concussion. So the, the rest of this schedule, the way it's shaping up, like I was, I was joking before the pod with you guys, like, I don't know, like six and one is not impossible. I, I don't, th- it's not likely, right? Cause it's just really hard to go six and one in the yeah. big 10. Right. But you look just to map it out the rest of the way, Michigan state at home, uh, Wednesday night, we're recording here Monday afternoon, like, Wednesday night, like that's a tough game, but it's not like unwinnable. Ken Palm has it as a five point loss, which is a tighter margin than you would expect, given that Michigan State beat the them by thirty one yeah. on the road, uh, like a month and a half ago. Uh, and then you have Nebraska on the road, that's tough, but not you know completely impossible. Illinois at home and that return to rec game, like this is a stylistic thing where I think they match up well with Illinois. I wouldn't be surprised if they win that game. You get Indiana at home, already beat Indiana on the road. I don't see why that result would change given that Indiana is like free falling in a major way. And I'm just saying some of us had this discussion about a month ago and already talked about (laughs) this would be coming for Indiana. Not to pat myself on the back here, but you know, uh, they get Iowa again on the road. They, they've shown they can beat in Iowa, and I know it's different on the road. Minnesota is not going to overwhelm them, and then they close with Maryland at home. Like, there's no yeah. – honestly, it's like Michigan State or Illinois and Illinois are the ones that you look at and you're like, okay, like it's going to be tougher to get these. Both of those are at home, and so the road yeah. games are the matchups that they have, and they've proven already that they can win on the they've road somehow. Yep. Yeah, and like it's – I don't know. It's I wouldn't be surprised if they go 2-5 and five the rest of the way. I wouldn't be surprised if they go 6-1 and one the rest of the way just because this team has been inconsistent at times. But if, if they win enough games, they're going to maybe not put themselves on the bubble for the NCAA tournament, but there will at least have to be a discussion about, okay, if they win this many games in the Big Ten tournament, yeah. are they are they a bubble team now, right? And – Man, a month ago, I just i I would have told you that I would be done working on like March seventh. I would be focusing on spring ball. We'd be fully into football season, and now here we are, where this is on the table at the very least. Yeah, man. Credit to these guys. Um, they just continue to get knocked down and and stand back up and fight. Man, this is just uh, this is a fun team to watch, and especially to see that, especially with everything that they've done in the first year under Rhodes and first year players, a lot of them in in, in the Big Ten and you know, the transfers as well, just just to see this team like come together towards the end is, is special. And I'm hopefully that, you know, like you said, we have with six, seven games left. I'm hoping that they continue to keep this streak of winning games uh, alive. And um, I said it last year. I say it all the time. And the best team to be is the is is to be the you want to be the best team at the end of the year. And at the end of the year, if you look back and you say, like you said, they won six and one or five and two. Or whatever it may be, four, you know, four, four and three. Um, but winning those last couple games and going into the Big Ten tournament on, on a high note, I think it's very special for this team, and that's a win in this year's book for me. Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't want to pour cold water on things, but I do. I think I might have mentioned this last week too. I wonder how much we're going to be talking about that that stretch of five games at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Is like, mm-hmm. man, if they could have just flipped two of them, you know what I mean? Like if they had mm-hmm. just, not even necessarily buck now, but like. Butler and VCU were winnable games that were right there. You know, Maryland was a winnable game that was right there. Georgia Tech. Yeah, Georgia Tech. You mentioned that one. That's the one I keep forgetting. Like, Mm -hmm. they kind of did win that game, and then some stuff happened with that officiating at the end. Like, you just look back at, like, if they just had two more, how much differently would this conversation be? Because that that record then goes, suddenly they're 14 and 10. They're still 6 and 7 in the Big Ten, but suddenly they're 14 and 10. It's like, okay, now if they go 5 and 2, then it's like, 19 and 12 and that's a real discussion that number's looking good yeah 
Yeah. And, and so you have to wonder how, even if you just get the easy one, I guess, in Bucknell and then the Georgia Tech one, which they kind of had, like, and this is, you know, this is a longer discussion that needs to be had about like the committee and how they choose teams and why, like, you know what I mean? Like, does it, does how good Penn State is really change if they just simply got a better call at that Georgia Tech? You know what I mean? Like, does that, I understand, like, it, it flips. You mentioned we're in a wins and losses world. Like, it flips a loss to a win, but like, does it, if they're really judging it based on how good these teams are, just two points in that game make that much of a difference if you like strip it all away and just look at how good they are? You know what I mean? Again, yeah. I don't want to have this discussion now because it's like a very but, philosophical but just for me, discussion. It's just- but I think for me, I like obviously I don't work for the committee when they talk about the tournament. But I just know if you talk about a team with twenty wins compared to nineteen wins, right? Like you know it's what crazy I mean? how like twenty that just looks better so than nineteen, different. right? Right. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like, was it really that different? Like, because it feels yeah. like the gap between nineteen and twenty is bigger than the gap between like eighteen and nineteen. Right. And that's not true, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's one game. It's they're both one game, but it it feels different based on how we like perceive stuff and all of that. And again way too much philosophy for this podcast that I don't want to get into, yeah. but, but it is interesting, right? Like it's really interesting in how, like, because this is sports and college football is moving this way too, with, with how this yeah. is, you know, with the playoff, they're going to be more at large bids. So there's going to be more conversations like this there too. And so, but yeah, for now, like, listen, this is a, this is a basketball team that is significantly better than it was three months ago, significantly better than it was two months ago, significantly better than it was one month ago. And I yeah. think if you're talking about how, and we'll have a longer pod later in the year about where we mm-hmm. talk mostly about Rhodes and the job that he's done this year, but you, you, you know, at the top, and I think it's a good thing to talk about to close this out. Like the job that Mike Rhodes has done is better than I thought he could do, which is a credit to him because I thought, I thought my perception of this hire was that it was a safe hire that you make when you're like, okay, he's, you're going to hit this baseline, right? Like, you know, once he gets his, his guys in, like can consistently make the tournament, like, once or twice every like five years, which for Penn state is like a, a, you know what I mean? Like it's not something that happens as you know. Uh, But I think like the ability to turn it around this quickly maybe has to change. It it changes my perception. Maybe I'm overreacting to a small sample who knows, but like, I think it does change my perception somewhat of, of, of what this team can look like when it's at its best and maybe how this is going to sound weird, but how like mediocrity might like be the baseline. Now it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. that bad. If he can turn it every year like this, like, it's really impressive. We we compare it to Micah Shrewsbury's first year a lot, and like that year did not go well. And and I don't like that's not a knock on on Micah. Like I thought he did a really good job. He just didn't have the personnel yet. Yeah. Mike Rhodes does not have the personnel yet either. And like they're right now much better than I think anyone could have anticipated them being this year. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like I said from the jump, and credit to Coach Rhodes what he's done. Um, I, I'm I'm very proud of this team. I'm proud of the coaches. Um, what they've done so far. Obviously, I don't want to jump ahead. They, you know, we don't want them to shit to bed. The rest of, the rest of these I was going to say, we're, we're talking way too nice about this team. <laughs> yeah, they're about yeah. to go like but 0 and 7 down the stretch. And it's going to be our They fall. can't do that. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see them doing that. But, you know, I mean, they, they have, you're a right. They do schedule. play Indiana. So <laughs> they have a favorable schedule. I think they can pull that off. But I know you mentioned something earlier. Uh, you brought up Joe Christman. I saw something on Twitter, I want to say a couple of days ago, when they were talking about retiring jerseys, if you were retired basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw that, right? So I was I was curious. I wanted to put you on the spot. Who do you think, if they had to retire jerseys in Penn State basketball history? I know that's a long time for you. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, a little yeah. older. But if you could pick some guys that who you think that really deserved it, and you know what I mean, what, who would you put? 
So as I always say, I'm still in the prime of my life here in my 20s, despite being 29 <laughs> now after turning 29 last week. So I, I understand that you might be a little on the the old side mm-hmm. now compared to us young folk. Uh, but but no, I think I think there's some obvious ones, right? Like Jesse Arnell has to get retired. Mm-hmm. Calvin Booth has to get retired. Joe has to get retired. Yours has to get retired. Taylor's has to get retired. Lamar has to get retired, right? I think mm-hmm. those are the ones that stand out to me as like these are the numbers that – that that uh, that front but of what's mind. your rec- what's your criteria? What is your but my thing for your criteria so because I, there, there is a, a there's a discussion subjective. in this, right? Yeah, I think it's super subjective. But to me, those guys are ironclad, right? Like they mm-hmm. because of the things they accomplished, including yourself, and the things that you guys did to the statistical accomplishments are obviously a major part of this. But when you think of Penn State basketball. I think there's an easy way to do this when it's like when you snap decision, like if someone says Jesse or now, yes or no, it's immediately yes. Right. Like yeah. I, I think it would be mm-hmm. tough to say no to that. Same with you. Same with Lamar. Same with Taylor, uh, Joe, you know, and same with Calvin. Like I, I think there are certain guys in that group that are like, it's just easy. And I don't know that I can define it, but I just know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are other discussions that it gets a little more difficult. Right. I would also retire Jalen Pickett's number. And I know mm-hmm. that that might be a point of contention for some people because he was only there for two years at Penn State. He also might end up being like – we might look back in 20 years and say that he's one of the two best, three best players of all time at Penn State, right? Like because it's easier to judge these things the further you get away from it. I think right. that's happened with you and, and Taylor especially, right? Like now that we're 10 years out from you guys playing, just to age you a little more, uh, I, I think like it's now more <laughs> obvious how great you both were in your time at Penn State. And I think it's easier to see that. Um, and I think we get we might get like 10 years down the road and like – Jalen's, I think, in the same category as you and Taylor as point guards at Penn State. But from a legacy standpoint, I understand that it's tougher because he was there for two years. But when you think about like brink of the Sweet 16, clear best player, all American, like arguably the best point guard in the country last year, you know, when you add all that stuff together, like he was too good. Like his impact in those two years transcends the fact that he did spend part of his career at Siena. And I think that, you know what I mean? I understand why people would push back because of that. But to me, those like that's the group. And then you get into the okay, but what about like Andrew Funk, who was obviously massively impactful, right? Like he had Mm -hmm. an enormous impact on that team. To me, he doesn't cross the threshold. He was there for one year. No matter how big that impact is, he wasn't the best player on the team, right? Like, so it's tougher to get there. I understand that argument. But to me, it's like that group of guys that you're included in, that's very obvious. And then I think pick as well which to me is probably more obvious than it, it might be to other people now you might name some guys that I, like i think there's a strong argument for gary claxton like i love gary claxton like i think gary claxton yeah, trust me there's, there's awesome. a lot of names man. yeah yeah but I, I hate to cut you Eventually off gonna but, run um, out of numbers too like this, right. uh, that's a little Again. bit part of this and some of us had the same number i think but i think with yeah. for pickets for pickets defense uh obviously i would have loved him to be in there for four years to see what he would have been able to do you know as yep. a but i will say this that if you look at other schools, there are guys that are one and dones or two years that get their jersey yep. retired. So if we look at the criteria of that, um, I think he does get it because he, you know, he has the accolades and he's done what he needed to do to be able to to get his jersey retired. But I do think it's harder at it for Penn State being a, t- a school that doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we have something that does do it and it's like, okay, this is the norm, but hey, Pickett came in, he was all American, this and this and that. He's, you know, man, let's retire his jersey. But when you talk about a school that doesn't do it, and now we're just having this discussion because, you know, I was brought it to me on brought to it on Twitter. I think the names that you said are, you know, are pretty obviously you can't. I mean, I think there has to be some type of criteria because you don't want to have too many, because like you said, then there's no numbers. Then you're like the Boston Celtics 
And yeah. people come in and you're number 77 and 99. Yeah, you know? right. But I do believe those guys that you mentioned, Taylor, um, Calvin Booth, Jesse Arnell, uh, Joe, yeah. you know, Lamar. but there's so many other Lamar, for sure. Lamar, because I, I think him and Taylor are pretty much set that, you know, you know, all time leading scorer. How do you not put that person yeah. retired at Jersey? All time assist leader. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, for Lamar, you know, what I mean, I think he's he everybody knows he's breaking out with all time assist leader. Yeah. Myself. Um, but there's but just so many Calvin, other people because Calvin I, broke like every record four times over with blocks. Like I, I forget right. what they all are, but he like was ridiculous. The one that I'm curious about, like, I, like I think there's like a like you mentioned like the one and duns or the two and duns. Like Tony yeah. Carr, like had he finished his like had he gone the four years, he I think he would have been that Lamar level player, but he didn't. And so I think it's no matter how great he was, he never reached that like. Part of it with Pickett is like he reached this level of maturity too, where he was mm-hmm. kind of optimizing himself by the end. Tony, and he went out on a high note. Yeah, he went and, and out Tony on a high note. Like, so you always remember Lamar as in, I mean, uh, you always remember Jalen as the high right. note he took to the tournament. Yeah, I don't think Tony quite achieved what he. You know what I mean? Had he stayed for two years, I think it would have two more years. He would have been to that level. But I think because he wasn't as far along and it wasn't as developed as a player, I think yeah. Penn State fans missed didn't out see on it. it. And yeah, yeah, we didn't. We didn't see. You know, like it kind of sucks because I covered that last uh, Lamar team. You know what I mean? And like that team was really good. And like you think mm-hmm. about when Tony had Tony been there too, like how incredible they would have been. And, and not to bum Penn State fans out about like the fact that he left early, but like you think about like what could have been with with yeah. the program and with that team at the end. But but is there anyone that I didn't mention that you would throw in there too? That oh, because like I don't to know, me, if, like, I, don't know if I, wanna, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I don't know if I throw no, in the no, jersey you're doing retired. Like, listen, no, 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 do because <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw the jersey retired because I, I think right now we already got too many. But I do that. But that yeah. I, I do like this discussion because it shows how many great players have come through Penn State yeah. basketball, which is something that hasn't been. You know, people don't talk about. You know, there has been players that have come through that have had great careers. Um, we talk of Jim. Over the Cornley. last fifteen years, like four of the guys we mentioned are of the last fifteen years, right? And like right. that's, I think that's a good indication of where the program's heading too. Like, right. by the way, I think in a year and a half we might be having this discussion about Ace. Like, I don't think it's impossible for Ace to be mm. in this discussion by, you know what I mean? Because he's, it's yeah. that, it's that Lamar tri- or the 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 uh, uh, the, the, the picket trajectory yeah. right like it's it's the same thing except he's kind of been better in year one now the start was not ideal yeah, right yeah, he, yeah. i'm sure he would tell you that after he got benched mm-hmm. for some stuff but like he's better right now than jalen was at this point in his first year now jalen yeah. took off in the offseason mm-hmm. in the offseason right and became like elite of the elite in college basketball i don't know that ace is going to do that but you know if there's a, a leap in there like we might be having this discussion again in a year yeah what I don't, I want to, I want to make sure I don't forget those names and Jamel. These are names that I know personally. Yeah, Jamel was another guy that I grew up. Jamel, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Jamel uh, Cornley, uh, DJ Newbilt. He DJ's was, a good he one. was fun. DJ was phenomenal when he was there. Um, I know, those are the two I really wanted to hit. And always no said Joe. No Nick Colella. He was a, he was my guy, my roommate. But Nick Nick listen, Nick that one was just it. for you. I said that just Nick, for you. You can send Nick him this too. <laughs> he probably watching it. There's some other guy. Um, damn, I had it on the tip of my head, and you cut me off. Um, no, that's my bad. I no, mean, no, Jeff Brooks was really but, good when he was there, but I don't think like that reaches the level. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Andrew Jones is really good. Like there's yeah. there's some guy. Trust me, if you want to play the just name some dudes game, I can go back with Penn State basketball <laughs> further. Yeah, but I think. just I just I, I think too. I think a lot of it you have to look like when you. I want to know what the crowd. I wish I when, like we jump on them with the other podcasts and those guys have like you know I know Ohio State has jersey retired. Those guys that you know have guys jersey retired. You know, obviously their their criteria might be a little steeper than than ours because you're talking about all Americans and national player of the years. But for us, I think there has to be some type of criteria of, you know, I mean, I do believe you have to be there at least two years because we our our, our school is not built for one. Yeah, it's not a one. You, and have done thing. Be, you have to be there at least two. Oh, um, I, I saw some on um, the big fella that just left uh, everybody. He was, you know, the face of the team, face of the school. Um, oh, John uh, Hera. Yeah, John, yeah, yeah. John. Yeah. 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 yeah which which like, is another well, one. Thing, like, it was a fan favorite. About, so. Like, right. Like this ahead. is where it, it gets tough to like put a definition on it. And I think you just kind of have to call it the, you know, it when you see it thing, cause mm-hmm. John had, you know, and, and John was always great to interact with great first name. First off elite of the elite in that regard, mm-hmm. uh, despite him having an H in there. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think that is like, that's the level of the impact was more than just on the court, right? Like right. to, to keep it together, culturally, culturally across mm-hmm. coaches, mm-hmm. like was enormous. Pete Lasicki, another guy we didn't mention. Yes. Uh, I am yes, cheating yes, now yes, by yes, looking yes, at yes, the, yeah. uh, the list of leading scores mm-hmm. all time. But, uh, but no, like I think there are, there are guys like that that you look at, and uh, it, it that's why it's like with John, it's not necessarily. I mean, he was good on the court, but I think his his impact off the court is more important than that, right? Like, yeah, there there are guys like that 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 this applies to, um, where I think he would be a no doubter. Actually, you know what I mean, just because of that. Yeah, impact. and yeah, well, you would put I mean, John, he, you would put him as a known doubter, have his jersey retired. You don't. You don't achieve. I'm not. From, hold on, hold on. I'm not knocking him, saying that he doesn't deserve it. I just, I want, I just want you to say listen, it that you believe listen, that. Let, let me, let me preface it with this. First off, okay. if you're sending Kalela that clip, I'm sending John this clip. Uh, I'm not sending <laughs> Kalela the clip. He better watch it on his own. Like, subscribe. Like, hit the sub. <laughs> that's right. If if you don't, if you don't get that. You don't get that twenty two twenty three season without John Hera holding it together in the season. One hundred percent. Right, and I, yeah, so 100%. I think, I think from an impact standpoint, yes, I would retire John Hera's number, and I think that might sound insane to some people, but I also think like you you have to like that's part of the you know it when you see a thing, right? Like you you have to understand and be around the program to have known that impact and the impact he yeah. had. Again, there's, there's so many great names we can go down the list because you know I mean I think a lot of this too that that um, teams had go-to guys. You know what I mean? Every year yeah. you can go to where somebody, or every four years there was a guy that was a go-to guy, which was tremendous. You know what I mean? I yeah, think I mean, DJ you know, is a perfect example of that too. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like I, I, I'm putting DJ before I put Mike Watkins. I would, I, I would be okay with that, but I think the names that do make it, they would have to be very deserving and, 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 and being there. Dude, and I think would- the only, I was only people that I, no no would, hold on hold on would absolutely people, make it that is insane. <laughs> I'm just saying if I didn't, but you for stop. me the people that I would put that I didn't, I, I think there's four names. I think is 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 Calvin, Jesse Arnell, yeah, and I'm putting two Taylor Taylor, and I'm putting um, I think you're fourth, uh, Lamar. That's I'm just saying other than other yeah, than yeah. me, that's my four names, and there's no knock to Joe. There's no knock to uh, Pickett. There's no knock to uh, John and none of those guys. But I think those four, in my eyes, are you talk about two of the leading scorers and and Lamar and Taylor. And you talk about 
Jesse Arnell and Calvin Booth doing some crazy stuff that they were doing back then. Which yeah. We didn't even have video. You know what I mean? So Calvin, like those. Well, two, listen, man. Calvin well, not, played the I'm late joking, 90s. but I'm just. <laughs> and, 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 and I look at it, too. Like after that, they're professional careers, man. I, I, I like I know this is a college thing, but you when you see someone because, well, like I mentioned earlier, there's players that play well on bad teams and they just stack up points. But players that are players that are real players do that at a high level and continue to do that. So that's how I look at it, too. Like and that's why I'm looking at the um, Lamar and Taylor, because there's, you know, even though Taylor didn't have an NBA career, but he was professional for a while. And he was his his college was just insane. It was just what he did. Right. So his college was just insane. Calvin's professional career was still insane. Jesse as well. Like. For me, that's how I look at it. Like those four right there is my. I'm putting that on there, and then after that, the fifth is up for debate between myself. You you also played in the NBA. (laughs) Again, I think that's a criteria. That's a criteria. You know, I mean, I think other than who had the long, I think Calvin has the longest, and then it's me. And Calvin, Calvin is like still a GM and just won the uh, the NBA title last championship. Right. So I think it's Calvin, and then after me, me. yeah, right, right. And I think it just impact on the school as well, like. So, and that's not a knock to those other guys because, again, I'm not even putting myself. Yeah. I'm putting those four for sure. Listen, I appreciate your that, humility, but but like, you, I get what you're saying, John. But I'm being serious, group. bro. Because, I know you are, but you're wrong because you can't. You are in that because group. You, <laughs> okay, because you can't put. Let me say this: because you can't put, you can't not put the two leading scorers on the team. Because we talk about 2,000 careers, and we talking about guys that did that at Penn State. You know, what I mean, they scored all their yeah. buckets at Penn State. So those two. Guarantee in my book. But like with John, I, I still stand by that. The cultural impact was so enormous. Like the stuff with like well, I wasn't say, there, so I, I can't yeah, tell right, you that's the about thing. his culture. That's but what I've heard, I've heard he he kept that those teams together. Everything and he together. was he was the, the most leader, you know. What I mean, again, on a leader the, with guys that were pros. Right. And the and the stuff that coaches said about him, like the way that Micah Shrewsbury talked about John Hara, the way that every coach that coached him talked about John Hara and his leadership, I think is like like that's it does transcend the basketball. And like he was good. Like it, this was not like you know what I mean, this is a seventh man or anything. Yeah. He he was one of the best rebounders in program history. He couldn't shoot any better than I if he tried, and I hope that he sees this part because he would agree with this. I've made that joke to him several times. Uh, One thing, like, hold on, before you before I forget this, John. Um, I love John. I love him as a player when he was there, and just yeah. his, his what he even do. I think now he started the TBT team, so like he's yeah. still yep. part of the uh, the Penn State. The but did he? Was he? What? Yes. Was he? Um, was he an All American or was he uh, nope. first team All Big Ten, second team? He, 13. I, I know you got your computer up, so. Yeah, let me. Uh, this is the the part of the podcast where I just like try and talk through the fact that I'm Googling things right now, which mm-hmm. honestly, like I've gotten much better at over the years, but I'm not doing it quick enough right now. I don't think he I'm fairly confident he never made first team all Big Ten. Um, he was honorable mention, which feels kind of wild um, that he was he did win the sportsmanship award twice. Uh, which does definitely fit the John Hara ethos of, of yeah. like who he is. He should as a be. Person. He should be. Uh, he should be a Penn State coach later on down the road. Oh yeah, and if he wants after, to, after Rhodes decides to shower, decides to retire, then yeah. But no, I, I like. I don't believe. Uh, so he was All Big Ten uh, twice, and he was honorable mention for both. Which feels like what was I mean, what maybe, was he All Big Ten? He was second team. 
honorable mention. He wasn't even second team. Oh, honorable mention. But yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, if you strip away the cultural standpoint, the if you want to make this strictly an on-court thing, then no, he's no, not. no, 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 like, no. I, I, I think all. No, no, of it, I'm, I think saying, all I'm of saying when I say apart, you, I don't I, mean I don't oh. mean you. I mean in general, if someone wanted to make this only on court, then I don't think he qualifies. But I think the impact of that is enough to to cross that threshold. Yeah. Um, I do think there are the the five easy ones are, are really obvious. So you mentioned them. And yes, you are in that group, no matter how how uh, humble you're going to be. I ain't scored enough points, man. Dog, you finished first day to- in assists. Do you want me to read your resume on the podcast? Is that no, what you want me to No, please don't. Please no, 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 no. Please don't. <laughs> I can please do that don't. if you want me to. No, I can no, pull no. your Wikipedia but page up real I, I quick. Did, I, I did. I, I, I enjoyed my time at Penn State. It was uh, one of the best decisions that I made um, basketball-wise, life-wise, life school-wise as well, academics-wise. So, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I, and I, re- and I reaped it. Fruits of the labor, um, professional career, yeah. still playing. So, like, I mean, I have nothing but good things to say about the program and what they what it's done for me and what I was able to achieve for it. And that's, and but that's I just want to bring that up. I know we we've had a longer podcast this time, but you keep trying to read my stats. <laughs> we've had a longer listen, podcast listen, listen. this time, but I, but I'm glad that we able to do that because I wanted to talk about it because yeah. I, I saw it on here and, and names were being thrown out there, and I just wanted to make sure we we talked about it and we gave credit to all those players oh, that yeah. names weren't brought up there because they were phenomenal, man. I, Gary Clapton I, 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 is the most oh, underrated God, Penn yeah. State basketball player of all time. That's like so I grew up watching Gary play, and like that is like. Who knows? Maybe we'll have him on the pod sometime to talk about it. But that's like when yeah. I was like 10 years old. I've told the story before. I fell in love with basketball, like watching the Villanova teams, like the Mike Nardi, Al yeah. Ray, Randy Foy, Kyle Lowry team. Uh, but like Penn State was the local school for me. So I would go watch them play. And like Geary was the first like guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. That I like was like, oh, man, he's really good. Like him and Jamel. Uh but yeah, like this is, I think it's a, you know, it's a worthwhile discussion. Maybe we'll resume it later with the, we'll toss yeah. some names around. Maybe I'll do a little more research beforehand so I don't get trolled by you in the middle of the podcast <laughs> for making some suggestions. But that you know, Mike you mentioned all the crazy. things. <laughs> Listen, you mentioned all the nice things that Mike, I love State you, bro, but that you. was crazy. <laughs> the, the, all the things that going to Penn State did for you, the most important was it led to you being on this podcast, which you can listen to <laughs> every week. It's the Nittany Gritty. You can find us on YouTube, brought to you, like I said, by the good folks at Beyond the Big Ten. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can find Tim on Twitter at TimPhrase23. You can find me at, at John Sauber. I think we have run this bad boy into the ground. And honestly, it, there's a decent shot this discussion continues as soon as we stop recording anyway. So yeah. we will do that now. And until next time, I'll talk to you later.